And if we solely go through a therapeutic process that this is all my spouse or this is not my problem at all, this is her problem, this is his problem, then I promise you, you will stay stuck. But if you can be self-reflective enough to say, okay, I am noticing, I do react to this. Why, what is it? What is it in this scenario that I'm reacting to? Folks, welcome to Counselors Can Help. Let's demystify the process of counseling. We wanna remove barriers, answer your questions, educate, entertain, and inspire you to action. All right, welcome back to Counselors Can Help. We're continuing our series on conflict. I'm back here with Liza. Welcome, welcome to the show. Hi. We're back in our studio Thanks. here in Layton, Utah. Very Thanks. exciting. Please, just reminders before we start the show, do pass this show along to other folks that you think would be helped by this information. That's really the whole point of the show is we're trying to help folks out. You can be a part of that chain, so that's kind of cool. You don't have to be a therapist and go through four years of school. You can just pass something along and, and be in, that, in the spirit of helping someone. So I think that's kind of the cool part of this. Please feel free to rate the show. As we talked, five stars is the appropriate rating. And we want to help people learn. Ultimately, that's what this show is about. It's about teaching people who are worried about therapy, worried about the experience, in this case, conflict and couples, worried about, oh, do I really want to come in and do that with another person? So um, we're trying to give you a, a taste of what this is all like. So to encourage you to do that. We're not trying to be... I wrote down on the sheet here, righteous jerks. <laughs> I saw that. It's <laughs> like, well, do tell. What are we trying to be? Well, and what I mean by that is, and I think we've mentioned it enough on the show, we've, we battle this stuff ourselves, right? Right. Everybody in the world who is a human being and has a pulse battles this stuff. And I tell my clients all the time, I know a lot about this stuff, but if you walked around with an iPhone filming me in my own house and grading, ranking me on how I'm doing with all these concepts, I think we'd find some stinkers in there right. that I need work on. Right. Well, you have to remember <laughs> that you're, I mean, we're human, right? right? And we're having, we all have the same nervous system that right. we're talking about with someone else, right? right. That you're going to have an emotional reaction to our partner. Right. And it's easy to get fall into back old habits and all that kind of stuff. And so what we're describing here never implies that we don't have trouble with this stuff ourselves, right? We're implying that we work on this stuff ourselves. We believe in these ideas. We're trying to put them into our lives, even as we talk about it. And I, I hope you do. I know I am. I'm thinking about these things more and more and trying to, you know, incorporate them into my life specifically. So I would encourage people to take it in that spirit. We are talking about couples conflict currently, but I expect this series to broaden a bit into some other areas. And so if you're listening to this series and feel like this is a couple's show, that's really not the intent of it. It's just a place to start that's kind of straightforward and uh, fairly common. And we will get into other things going forward on this series. One thing I want to mention too is what we're talking about is conflict. That's not all of what you would do in couples therapy, right? There's plenty of other subject matters that you would probably get into with a couple. Right. And you wouldn't just be banging the drum on. No. <laughs> in fact, I don't even know until I was talking to you about this series in particular. I don't even know that I would, I used the word conflict as um, a starting place sure. for couples. I really usually just say, what do you most often talk about? And then inevitably their conflicts come up, right? Yeah. 
So I believe that good marital therapy starts with an assessment of what's working well and what's not working, right? Yeah. And usually conflict is a part of a perpetual problem that we continue to have. And so usually that's the smaller end of what's going well and what's not. So I wanted to make the point that this isn't all what couples therapy is about. We're, we're, we're taking a, a portion of it that I think people are very interested in and dissecting it very finely but I don't want to give the impression that this is all you would talk about at couples therapy. Sure. We're not doing a couples therapy session here on this show, although we could. I mean, that could be ideas down the line, but that's not what this particular series is about. And so um, if you think I'm going to come into couples therapy and this all we're going to do is talk about you know, going to war with mm -hmm. each other, that's not really how that would always look. You certainly would talk about parts of this, and it's uh, probably, like you said, an important part, but it's not what it's all about. No, it's the, being able to, there. yeah, hopefully learning what's going well for you and, and what we need to adjust. And in that conflict is going to come up, of course, sure. and what we continue to have disagreements about. All right. So a uh, quick recap of last show. We talked about react versus respond. We spent some time on that listening. Um, I think that's a huge part of the can I repeat the other person's words back without necessarily buying into them or um, the concept of that? And then we talked about a scenario that we got into with a couple who essentially has a sort of a standard argument that they bring in, and then how that would look in the session to break that down and get away from the content of the argument and get more into the, okay, how exactly is this going, going on? What is the pattern you typically get into? What sort of things does this dredge up? what ultimately is the need that a couple has or specifically each person, what specific needs do they have? So I'm starting this show, I guess, with the idea that the couple has bought into that. To the right. idea that there's a pattern. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they go, okay, we've, we see it. I'm, we're open to the, to the idea that I think it's still all the other person's fault, but I, I can see where I, <laughs> contribute to this, right? Well, the cool thing about having a couple agree on a pattern is that once you can map out what that pattern looks like, and if they both agree that that's what happens for them, because they're just stating when she, then I do this, and then when I do that, what does she do? And when we can kind of map out what happens there and we all agree on that, it really doesn't matter what I drop in. That's what's so great about going with the pattern and process first is it doesn't matter if we talk about my mother-in-law or if we talk about finance or if we talk about sex or if we talk about children, we know when I have a hard thing to talk about this is what's going to trigger me and this is how I'm going to react to it. And what is my need? Yeah. And once we can figure that out, world peace. <laughs> okay. We'll just say, well, that gets into what I guess what I just choose some stuff peace. around on this show is how do you practice those ideas at home? It's like, mm -hmm. what do you walk away from to go? Okay. Given that we've got a pattern. I want, I've never been a good listener. Let's say a person goes, Hmm. I, I can understand that idea of repeating someone's content back to them. Mm -hmm. I've never done that. Mm -hmm. I don't know how I'm going to do that. That seems, I get it. I get the idea, but I'm, I know that I don't do that. So 
what I'd like to do with this um, segment here currently is just talk through some ideas. I think you mentioned one last time about if you are feel like you are a reactor, to just notice that, you know, when you go home and go, hmm, how many times a day or can I maybe jot down on my phone real quick some notes about when I reacted and just kind of see the history of that as an exercise and just teaching yourself, oh, I have to notice I'm doing it first before I can actually make any changes. That's right. And it's actually a really, really self-reflective person that can do that, which we skipped over last time. You have to be open to the idea that some of this is on you. It's not. It's it's totally (laughs) your fault. And if we solely go through a therapeutic process that this is all my spouse or this is not my problem at all, this is her problem, this is his problem, then I promise you, you will stay stuck. Yeah. That tends to be the promise. But if you can be self-reflective enough to say, okay, I am noticing, I do react to this. Why? What is it? What is it in this scenario that I'm reacting to? I feel disrespected. I feel discounted. I feel, could I actually express an emotion that I'm feeling in that moment? Can I find it rather than this fire that comes out first? Right. (laughs) I'm not sure if a podcast picks up, (laughs) if it picks up my, (laughs) but can I be self-aware enough to start to notice when I am reacting? Yeah. Pretty critical. And we're not saying, again, that you're necessarily wrong to be angry in the moment, or you may have been, you know, this may be sort of a pattern of being wronged or, you know, whatever it is, but we're just trying to say, can you learn to, in that moment, when you feel that emotion welling up, notice it, learn to notice it, which is the point of the exercise, right? You're not changing anything initially right away, but you're trying to go home and practice seeing you do it so that now you can notice it. Mm-hmm. And going forward and go, okay, what would I like to do differently here? Mm-hmm. How would I then start to teach myself with the help of coming to therapy? What could I start to do different and break out of this pattern, you know, as we go forward? So um, like, I think that's the idea, right? Yeah. Is just trying to teach a person to notice that. Or and maybe... without blame or shame is a really critical piece as well. Can yeah. I notice something and not be so mad at myself? Like, how did I not notice that? Or how does she not notice that she reacts to everything? And to just take almost a self-assessment and work within what I can influence. Yeah. And I could definitely see where you could then go, well, I see I've noticed when I've reacted all the times, but it's always their fault. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yes, I'm mad, but it's because they did this or, you know, whatever. And uh, like, okay, all right. So, I mean, we'll get there. I mean, we'll have to, there may be more work to do yet on solving that part. But but that's the cool piece, Meryl, is even in that, if you came in with that kind of information to me as a therapist, I can say, okay, tell me about those times. And then you will find a pattern in there. I find when my wife cuts me off every time. I react. Yeah. So if he's noted in his phone, when he gets cut off, I'm noticing I react. What is it about finishing your sentence that makes you feel heard? Right? And then you can find the pattern. Oh, my word. There's a pattern even in that. You can be left with the idea that, well, I'm being reactive, but it's sort of their fault. But yeah, we can, there's there's still plenty of stuff in there we can work with to get past that and, and try to, again, find you a way to react differently to respond later Mm -hmm. and 
hopefully, if one person changes, the other person starts to change, and, and that's the idea, right? That's where we're going for. That's the idea, is as Sh Sue Johnson would say in an EFT setting, if you can slow down, that's the, that's the exercise, that's the homework, is slowing down in enough time, give yourself enough time and space to see what is actually happening. And if you can slow down and see what's happening, you can change the way the pattern works. And if you change only one side of that pattern, do you have a new pattern? Yes. Right? You have a new pattern if one person even changes yeah. that. I'm thinking of a specific example. You're in the room doing something, and your spouse comes in, and they immediately sort of launch into you with a, why didn't you, you know, gosh, how come you didn't, you know, whatever. Take out the garbage or mm -hmm. And your, your initial reaction may be something like, well, they're already starting to yell at me, so I'm going to yell back. And You're, away we go. Initially, it will always be defensiveness, <laughs> right? right? It's going to be defensiveness. When someone uses the word why to start a sentence, <laughs> and I teach couples that don't start your sentences with why. Because immediately, if I say to you, why, Meryl, why did you do that? Are you thinking of all the ways you would like to say, it seems like you're upset about something or would you say, would you defend yourself? Right. This yeah. is why. And you're going to start bullet pointing all the reasons why you didn't get to taking out the garbage. Yeah. Right. And why are you such a nag? Yeah. And why are you coming after me? Yeah. So a simple exercise like that of just noticing maybe a one small argument that's not even really much wasn't a thing, just noting that you came in the room kind of on the attack. I did my usual sort of defense. We both could learn, you could maybe learn to, or we both could say, huh, maybe we got to figure out a way to soften it up, you know, whatever the topic That's exactly is. exactly right. Gotta, That's we got to <laughs> come in with a different strategy here into the room. We'll probably get a different response. And oh, by the way, if you do come in sort of hot and, and heavy, mm -hmm. um, I can I slow it down mm -hmm. to go, okay, what's... What, what's really Seems going like on you're here. upset about something. Can I change even that small pattern? If if I do come in with a, why why didn't you do this? Could you slow it down on the other end enough to go? It seems like you're really upset about something. You're damn right. I'm upset <laughs> about that. Can you stick with staying responsive and saying, I can see that you're really upset about that. Can yeah. we talk about it? Yeah. Just slowing it down. And I realize when we have been in a relationship, you have learned this pattern for a reason because it's happened. It's a pattern. It's happened over and over again. So it takes conscious thought to slow ourselves down enough to pause and go, this seems to be something that happens all the time. Right. I think with couples, uh, what, what you just said there, I think for the most part, we wind up in really deadly shorthand mm -hmm. arguments because we know what that thing means. We know what that, you know, just something as simple as what time is it could launch into, why are you always, you know, pushing me? I'll get, you know, I'll be ready in five minutes, whatever. And this person probably just wanted to know what time it was. <laughs> <laughs> and, but and the hundred <laughs> previous conversations <laughs> about time have been something sure. different, right? Yeah. And so... I would give an exercise of exactly what you just said is, can we soften it? And it's called a soft startup. There's something that's bothering you. The garbage didn't get taken out. 
right? I walk past the garbage. It's outside. I've asked 10 times and I walk in. So my immediate thought is I'm going to find out why this garbage is still sitting here and I am going to figure it out now. Could I come in with a soft startup and say, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And the other person then doesn't have to feel attacked, but you can actually have a conversation. Yeah. That's called a gentle startup to just say, I noticed the garbage is out. I wondered, you know, is there something that happened or tell me, like just ask an open-ended question. What's going on? In the least attack way you can, that is called a responsive slow startup or soft startup. Yeah. The kind of, you're sort of trying to be empathetic in a way. You're trying to hear the other person's version of mm -hmm. what's going on or what, what's going on in their life before you launch into your arguments or try to solve the problem or, or what, right? You're trying yeah. to get there. Maybe there's things you don't know. Maybe they see it a different way and you're trying to use these techniques of listening, maybe repeating back their words. I mean, those could all be ways to do that. And so my thought on this whole idea of practicing this at home is I think you could take one or two sort of small things and go, okay, I'm going to have this conversation about this small thing and it could go one of a couple of ways. I, I could be practicing my repeating skills. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do That's that. Right. Or if the person takes it a, a different way and they go, oh, I know this means something to you. I'm going to, whatever. They respond in a way you totally didn't expect mm -hmm. that you're happy with. Then you could use your, hey, catch something right. That's you know, exactly it, you, what you I was thinking, <laughs> that you could actually use what we talked about a couple of weeks about, ago and say how much it means to you, that yeah. that went a different way. Yeah. So I think you can practice these ideas at home. They don't have to be the Armageddon battles. They can be over sort of small things that you can go in with a plan. Like, okay, if it goes this way, I'm going to do this. If it goes that way, I'm going to do that. It, it may go none of those, but at least I kind of have a strategy or some ideas in mind that I want to practice ahead of time. And can I do that? And I think you can. I, I think ultimately these kind of ideas, you need experience doing it somehow, some yeah. way. It's and speaking of just demystifying how counseling can help, that is what I do. When a couple comes in, we will take on a two out of like an argument that comes up 10 out right. of 10 times. We'll take on a two. Let's take on something that doesn't create uh, huge amounts of tension and emotional override. And let's just take on a two. Let's just kind of a small annoyance. And we practice that in session. And then you're going to practice a two outside of session. Sure. Of just like, yep, that's coming up. Okay, let me let me think through that and see if I can use one of those tools of a soft startup or catching something that went right or uh, responding versus reacting. Let me try one of those. And then you'll get better at it. So you'll move to a three. Yeah. And you really can do it quite naturally. So you could even go as far as in the room saying, okay, you're going to practice just repeating. Oh, absolutely. We're going to start. Okay, you start. The other one, you're going to practice just repeating and listening. And that's all you're going to do. I mean, I remember doing that as a therapist in school. We were, we would, they would sit us down and say, okay, you're going to, you know, we would do everything in, in the room in front of everyone. And so they would go, right. okay, for the next six minutes, you two are going to have sort of a practice session, but you can only respond with 
repeating, repeating, you know, what <laughs> and listening, said. whatever. And so I you didn't do that exercise. <laughs> that would have been helpful. You were made to sort of do it, you know. And it, it, after a while, you're like, oh, okay, this isn't so hard. I I can do this. It, yeah. But you're but you're intentionally going in saying this is what I'm going to practice. I'm going to practice this specific skill. Um, mm-hmm. So I think you can do that outside of here, and, and certainly inside the room would be great too. That's probably where you really start it, right? Yeah, and you start it inside the room for sure. And ideally, you let them try it first. You would let a couple try it by themselves and just say, "Tell me about a recent discussion you've had," and they will start. And then I will practice and model slowing it down. Now, what did you just hear? And inevitably, you will hear the repackaging. Well, I heard that I'm doing it wrong. I heard that I'm doing it this way and that she hates that. And I will say, um, how does, you know, the other person, is that what you said? And then they can repeat what they said. And then I'll say, well, now repeat what they said instead of what you heard. Yeah. No repackaging. Let's just. No jumping ahead. Yep. Just stick. But how did it make you feel? Because what they feel, felt is what got repackaged, right? The repackaging comes from what I felt about what you said. Okay. And I think that's a pretty, if you can catch that, it's what I felt about what you said, right. not what you actually said. Yeah. So to draw a line or learn to draw a distinction between the feelings and thoughts you're having internally about what they said and then saying, well, did they really say that? Or is that what I heard? Is that what I normally think this person means by that statement? Right. It's not what they actually said, but it's Due my... to all the times we have had the same conversation. Yeah. Or the look on the person's face or, you know, whatever it is. They, yeah. they, have, they have bad intent, and so I have to defeat that or slow, you know, whatever. And that can sort of, that's sort of accelerating the argument, right? Mm-hmm. Is you're sort of assuming the next person's motive, the next person's moves, and you're just let's just jump ahead three spaces on this argument down the road. Right. We, we do not give enough uh, merit to how much conversation is happening between us without words. So I had a professor who would teach us to turn the couples away from each other so that they're not reading body language and only okay. hearing words. And it was fascinating because you did a much better job at repeating exactly what they said because all you were going off was what you heard cool instead of like yes but she's saying that and she's rolling her eyes yeah well he's saying that but his arms are folded so that's not actually what he means and so it was a great it's really a great concept to think can you actually repeat what the person is saying not repackage what you heard yeah through your emotions okay all right. So lots of ways to practice this away, um, and people can certainly learn to do this kind of skill because it is very important, as you can see, to slow down the reaction, slow down the momentum of where this conversation could go is so, something you could certainly experience in session and practice at home, driving home in the car or what have <laughs> you. I mean, there's lots of opportunities to to practice this. So yeah, that was kind of my idea of, of how would I train this? I'd have to set up little, little exercises like this to where I had a sort of a, okay, this is what I'm going to bring up. And I have two or three different strategies I could try or, you know, what have you. And it really doesn't take that long. I don't think to, to sit there and think about that where I'm just, I'm either going to listen or I'm going to 
to tell her what a great job she's doing. And those are those both should come pretty easy, but I'm ready for it. I'm not going to be, I'm ready for the emotions I may feel and I'm ready to sort of not go there. I mm-hmm. think, I think you could, I think you could practice that. You uh, absolutely can practice it. Yeah. Having an understanding of what those reactions are can be very helpful and know that I am going to stay with it through that. I tend to want to pull away. I am going to glue my feet to the floor for 15 more seconds to see if I can ride the wave instead of walking out, slamming the door, hanging up the phone. Whatever is the natural reaction for you, can you regulate your emotion enough to say, I want to try to do this differently? What we've talked about to this point is very different ways of kind of slowing it down or making sure you don't jump ahead, I guess, keeping the brakes on, getting the discussion too far ahead. What would be some common ways? What if it's gotten beyond that and now it's getting to the point where it's a bit heated? um, How do you help people learn? um, We've talked about the concept of a withdrawer and a pursuer. Somebody wants to... sort of shut the thing down somebody wants to keep the thing going Mm -hmm. and it's 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 getting kind of nasty or it could go that way how do you help folks recognize that and either come up with a way i guess the both agree on okay this is how we're gonna call a halt to this thing Mm -hmm. how would we do that what does that look like how would you get them to come up with something Mm -hmm. i guess to to stop those situations. I'm starting to feel like a broken record in noticing what your what comes up and if once you feel that emotional flooding, which just means you're feeling anxious, you can tell that you are going to you kind of feel that before it happens that I we're getting in that place where I'm going to say something that I'm going to regret later. And we just kind of, it's when that ammo belt comes out and you, and then you, and so you, and so I, and we go back and forth. And when you feel that happening, one of you, hopefully with enough insight and self-awareness will say, I need to take a break. If you are the pursuer saying, being told I need to take a break, the thought is usually we'll never come back to this. If we don't solve this right now, initially that first thought is, no, we're going to solve this now because we won't come back to it. You'll just retreat and go in your hole and then we'll, you know, sweep it under the rug and we'll never talk about it again. And so a pursuer has to know that about themselves, that I can loan a little trust that if they are asking for a break, that this withdrawer that I'm working with is going to be able to, we can come back to this topic. And a withdrawer, if a pursuer says, I need a break, a withdrawer is kind of happy about that usually because <laughs> sweet, <laughs> then yeah. I get to retreat. Right. No, then I get, then I, that's not a real common thing for a pursuer to say time out hang on, they're usually going to pursue, right? But if a withdrawer can say, I need a break, I will come back to this. Then you're giving space to, I know this is important. I know we're getting in a place where we're going to say things that we don't mean or shouldn't say because they just do damage. We're going to take a break and I need a minute. 
usually if you can take a few minutes, even at a half hour, 20 minutes to a half hour, you can come back and try a soft startup again. And you have to start with the explaining or, or talking through one side and the other person saying, this is what I'm hearing you say. And then the other person taking a turn. And if you can pause that just long enough, if you can introduce the pause, then you really can come back to a conflict and talk through it. It's just which one of you is going to do that right. can be a really scary first step. And this is the thing, I think why you'd want to talk about it is because this part of the pattern, right? You're trying to break the pattern. So yeah, the concept would be, hey, if one of you asks for a timeout, somehow worded that, please honor that request, mm -hmm. right? It's like, you've got to learn to, as you just said, step back and go, okay, I'm going to honor that request, however the person worded it. I know that could be coming. I probably aren't thinking about it in the moment, and it certainly is, isn't anything I want, but I'm going to honor that and, and step back. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. It just means that the person wants to take the time to get their thoughts together or whatever it is they want to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the, the come back to it part, uh, as you mentioned, the soft startup. So probably it's probably on the person that called the timeout, right? It's like they're, they're sort of, they sort of own this now, right? They've called the timeout. Would you say it's kind of on them to start it back up or is it, could the other person say, Hey, do you feel like we can start that? Yeah. Back I up? don't know. I, I would want in the healthiest of mindsets, right, that, that either person could say, okay. could we talk about that again? And I would call that a shout across the bow. Hey, that was really important to me, what we were talking about. When can we talk about that again? Now, nine times out of 10, that's going to be the pursuer, right? That's going to say, hey, when are we getting back at that? Because I need that solved. So, Ideally, that would be awesome if someone who felt like they withdraw felt like they could say, we are going to come back to that. Can we please talk about it when I'm not so tired tonight? Or can we talk about that tomorrow at 8 p.m. or whatever? But setting up a time. Okay. Either either person can reround. Yeah. Okay. So you then, uh, one person, they both agree to start back up again. So how to restart could be, as you just described, could be something like, hey, can we talk about that? Um, and then how would a good place to then reintroduce the idea sound like? It's like, okay, we both agree that's a good thing to, to talk about. Where would you say the first person try to softly start that? In the cheesiest of therapeutic terms, I don't know that you can think of a more quintessential therapeutic term than an, with an I feel statement. Okay. Yeah. So this is commonly done. The I feel or the I statements mm -hmm. are, I feel this feeling or felt that feeling mm -hmm. back then because of blah, if, blah, blah. You did this or. If you can start with an I feel statement, I feel and find an emotion that is not 
I feel angry because angry is this very primary thing that the answer is, of course you do. I, I was thinking of, I feel you are a jerk. <laughs> I feel fired up that you are the worst. <laughs> and I feel, yeah, that is funny. Oftentimes couples want to turn that. I feel you are this. <laughs> and I feel statements in their ideal state are describing an emotion for self. Right? I feel discounted when I come home from work and you are on to the next thing before I've had a chance to describe my day. The other person then can say, the ideal is that you are catching the emotion. So the other person can say, I have felt discounted before. I understand that feeling. Instead of feeling like it is all their fault, we can go after what's the emotion? Do I want my person to feel discounted? No. Do I want, uh, I don't want you to have to deal with that feeling. That's a hard feeling to deal with. I felt discounted before. I don't like that. Can we go after the emotion instead of trying to say, and it's okay if you say when this happens. You're not saying, and if you don't knock it off, <laughs> but you're saying, I feel this. When this happens, yeah. that's a much softer startup. Yeah. I feel frustrated and unheard when I pass the garbage and you have told me you would take it out and I feel unheard like we, like it didn't happen. Well, I don't want you to feel unheard. So we're trying to get to really getting out on the table the emotions and the kind of the history behind or whatever we can we can, we can do a startup and as you were talking I was thinking another way could be something like hey you seemed upset about this or that or whatever can you tell me about that can you tell me about you know what you were feeling then and whatever and I'll just and I'll listen and I just want to hear about that I'm oh, ask that's you a, a question perfect. that's a perfect soft startup is any open ended question so you have i feel statements right <laughs> Tell me about the emotion you felt. You also have, tell me why this is important to you. Tell me why every Sunday night at your mother's, all of us attending the dinner together, why is that important to you? Or tell me about that. Instead of, I am not doing that one more time. <laughs> right. I cannot do it. Can we have a discussion about why is this important to you? Yeah. And notice we haven't talked about solving the problem yet. We've, no. just, we've just been saying, okay, how, where, where are you coming from? Let me understand where you're coming from. Uh, maybe we'll both do a little bit of that. And then we can go, hmm, maybe that will spawn a new conversation about something that Usually, we, we didn't because expect. Most, right. Sorry. Most conflicts are because of these emotional reactions we are having to each other. Not really so much about what the actual issue is. Right. It's much more these emotional reactions to each other. So we're trying, we may, after this soft startup, delve deeper into the, what we've just sort of stumbled onto about how you feel or maybe the history behind it. I've never fully explained that. And then after that's sort of wrung itself out, we may, a person may, be, may then be able to invite the other person to say, would, you, would it be okay if we talked about how to solve this thing? Or, you know, because I think we generally go right to the, I think we should do this, whatever. That's kind of how a lot of fights, I think, start is there's, there's sort of some push for some agenda or whatever. I think parents do this with their kids a lot. Yeah. There's like a, 
I know how this thing is going to end. Let's just get there. Let's just get there. <laughs> yeah. And you will find a really natural resolution will emerge if you can understand the why behind something. Because what did you find then? You found the need, right? I, there was a need to feel heard or seen or people want to matter, Meryl. At the end of the day, they want to matter. And so if you can get to that core need, we figure out the core need and then we figure out the flexibility. So if the core need is, I feel like family time is the ultimate way for us to to connect with each other. And it, it, to me, that looks like going to grandma's house on Sunday nights. Well, that might be the core need is this connection with family. So what's the area of flexibility, right? If the other person does not feel that same need, can I recognize that my partner has the need, but that the area of flexibility is I go once a month, then you get to this resolution of, okay, What's really important here? What's the area of flexibility? Let's stop emotionally triggering each other every time we talk about this and move on. Right. So the problem solving is way at the end, which I think we're all very much wired to sort of get to that, like right off the bat. So we're trying to figure out, explain or see it from the other person's point of view, especially when you're talking about, I think with kids, it's probably we way skip this step as parents. And so you're, you're listening, trying to figure out what's the other person's view. Um, and then once you kind of feel like that's run its course, then you're open to, okay, what can we do now? Or is there any way we can discuss or should we discuss how to s resolving this thing if, in fact, it's something we can resolve, right? Sure. There's, there's a pattern there, but um, that's possible. We could, we could get to that end. Or we may not even get there at all because we found something else more interesting, I guess, to, um, to talk about. <laughs> and... Um, as you're talking, I was thinking it's taken us several shows to explain all of this. And really, once you have an understanding of your pattern and how to find a core need and how to express yourself through the emotions that you're feeling, it's a very short process, actually. It doesn't have to be this long. Okay, we are now starting with our pattern. <laughs> yeah. Or admitting, hey, I can see what happened in when we talked about this a half hour ago, I probably came in the room too hard or, you know, whatever. Right. But this is my part of also, I'm feeling, I'm giving you my pain, but I'm also potentially admitting to my parts of the pattern mm -hmm. that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And maybe I didn't do that one so well. Mm -hmm. I'll try to do better. And I can do that. better. Sure. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to keep working on that. Um, okay. So, I think what we've what we've gotten to there is numerous ways to, I guess, resolve or talk about a situation that potentially we feel stuck on that is not happening in a way we would like, but we found a very different way to perhaps get there or to, to perhaps open up new thoughts or new ideas about how we treat each other just about everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's kind of the idea of this, of this exercise is to break down the pattern, practice that, find little ways to practice that if you can, and start to sort of see how we can get out of that pattern and get to a much more healthy way of talking to each other mm -hmm. that does not include these sort of shout moments or whatever it is. Sure. So often 
you will come if if you've been able to convince your spouse that you want to do couples therapy that will be the first thing i hear we just can't communicate or we just argue about the same thing mm -hmm. and once you have an understanding that it's the process in which you are having conflict or arguing not so much what you are arguing about you tend to have a lot more hope that it doesn't matter that this problem gets resolved the next one will come and he will still react this way and i will still react this way but if we can figure out what our pattern is it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what we drop in we can say well my natural tendency is to jump in and try to solve and he's wanting to withdraw and once we kind of figure that out doesn't matter we can we can drop anything in and resolve it by figuring out what the need is and my guess is it's probably fairly easy to work with a couple who sort of feels like kind of like okay we're not communicating or whatever they feel somewhat not, not I'm looking I'm thinking of the word equal but that's probably not right there's always sort of I guess blame to go around but there may be times when people walk in thinking, oh, no, this is totally their mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm the good one, they're the bad one. Mm -hmm. I have nothing at all to just, you know, straighten this person out <laughs> and, and my life will be better. Um, to that person, they you kind of have to convince them that this is going to work, right? That this mm -hmm. is going to at least do something. I mean, sure. and, and perhaps over time, the person does change their ways a bit. And now you start to rethink the problem, right? It's like, mm -hmm. maybe it's not all them. Maybe I could do some things differently. Yes, maybe we have a long way to go, but maybe there's some new hope or new oxygen into how we sort of wind up with the same old thoughts. Um, I've had people in my office say, one of their biggest frustrations is I can't talk to my wife or my husband. Mm -hmm. I can't bring them these things. I can't talk about these things mm -hmm. because the other person is incapable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even when you feel like the other person is completely at fault, I have yet to see that actually end up being the case. I'm sure that I'm just not old enough in, in this field <laughs> to right. say, well, because you may have just divorced and moved on from that. But if you're both sitting in the room willing to try, you can usually figure out that there is a pattern at play. And sometimes it is too late. Sometimes that might be the case. But a lot of times there, if you can be self-reflective enough, you can find the parts that you can own and, and help make it safe enough for that person to talk yeah. to you and vice versa. And even if you were getting divorced, wouldn't it be nice if your if your interactions with this person were actually civil down the road? Right. Think how think how much time people spend with their ex, whatever, just fighting old fights and mm -hmm. just 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 continues right. and continues for years and right. years. Um, maybe even that could be you know all you get out of it uh, potentially, um, or certainly, like I said, solving. Um, these fights or interactions with your kids. I mean, I think there's a lot of potential around to use what we've talked about here in every aspect of your life right? Um, with, with everyone. And so um, that's what I guess we're inviting you to do with this show. So I see we're, we're running the end of our time here. Any final words you would offer up? I think we've, I feel like we've, we've hit this one. We, we've covered a lot <laughs> here. It'll be interesting playback. 
Yeah. So what the show, the idea of this particular episode is really to just talk about many ways, many examples of how you can practice, interact, and just that that puts you in the mindset of more process oriented and more about how, what our pattern is, how do we break that pattern? How do I just learn to listen? Um, and, and sticking to that other than the same old ideas of how this problem is going to be solved. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to try to put that on the side, the, how we're solving it, the, what, what we need to be doing and try to work it a different way here and see what happens. See what happens. And then we may get back to that problem or we, we may decide that that wasn't even a problem at all. Really, we're, we're on to something else or... Uh, oh, you will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. There's I'm a believer. Yeah, there's plenty to do there. Okay. Well, um, hopefully you can listen to this and, and learn to apply it in your own life. And like I said, I would encourage anybody who's listening to give this a shot. If you're on the fence or wondering or maybe know somebody who you feel like, man, this they this seems like right up their alley. Pass this show along or or try some of this yourself, but ultimately the show is about coming in, finding that right person who you feel can help you with this and probably speed this up and, and, and do yourself some good. And you would be surprised where you can apply this, like I said, in all aspects of your life. I think I think the person, people are glad they did this ultimately, right? When couples mm-hmm. come in, generally how they end fast in couples, right, is they're like, ah, there's no hope, we're divorcing or, you know, whatever. They may walk away that fast, Mm -hmm. right? And that happens. But I would say mostly, probably, you deal with couples and at the end they go, There were some helpful things that we did learn, yeah, to communicate differently and ultimately better, Yeah, obviously. But they all had different fears or different concerns about what this was going to look like. They didn't know how it was supposed to go, but they were glad they spent the time and, mm-hmm. and did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where I, w- I hope you all would take this message and, and think about it in those terms. And we'll talk about another form of conflict down the road on Counselors Can Help. Our mission is to spread the word that counselors can help. We want to teach you how to get started and get the most out of therapy. We encourage you to reach out to a professional in your area to help yourself through a loved one. Thank you to Kelsey Fink, our production assistant and chief of technology and social media. Thanks to Aspire Counseling at AspireUT.com for their support. If you want to know more about how counselors can help, go to counselorscanhelp.com. We have lots of resources, information, and we update it all the time. We'll see you next time on Counselors Can Help, a production of Merge Publishing.